last time on Compelled. They came back after the two hours and they took him and I signed the papers. It was like I had left a piece of myself behind. I know that's cliche, but it's true. And I knew I would never see him again. I was so broken, ashamed. Who's ever gonna want me now? I began to think that the only way I was gonna get myself out of this mess is to find another husband. Because the thing I did not want was for my children to be raised by a single mom. We drove over to the Catholic Children's Home, and so again, I leave my baby and walk away, go home to Erica, and just terribly broken. I, I had heard things that gave me hope, and I, everything in my past just flashed by. I, I can't. I'm too dirty. I had had an abortion. There's not good there. How could he clean this up? And I just, at that point, just broke down and gave up as best I could, not knowing much at that time, and just felt clean. I was born again on that day, and there is no question in my mind about it. I'm Paul Hastings, and you're listening to Compelled, a weekly podcast with unique stories from the kingdom of God told by the people compelled to live for him. Last week, we heard the first half of Kathy Brace's story as she shared how she spent much of her life looking for a picture-perfect family, but only found bitterness and rejection. How she became pregnant at age 15, gave up two babies for adoption, aborted another baby, and even tried committing suicide. When we finished last week's episode, though, things were looking promising. She was now married to her husband, Mike, and they had three daughters. Her marriage was very rocky, but Kathy had just come to faith in Jesus Christ, who offered the promise of true hope, and she was hopeful that he could salvage her marriage. If you haven't listened to part one yet, then stop what you're doing and listen to that first. Trust me, listening to the first half of her story will give you a lot of context for today's story. In this episode, we'll listen to how Kathy would be forced to trust God in every area of her life, including her marriage and even her own body, and how God still had a beautiful plan for Kathy despite her sordid past. That story coming up right after word from today's sponsor. After Kathy's conversion from last episode, God began a work of transformation in Kathy's heart. And the first major evidence of her changed heart was the taming of her anger. After I got saved, God did start the cleanup in my life. I had a very hot temper. And as I said, I did curse a lot. We got into a fight, and I was standing in the kitchen, throwing things, yelling, screaming. It was terrible. It was the worst fit. It was, it was a terrible fit. And I looked up, and there's the three little girls staring at me. I ran out of the house, got in the car, left, and went to a park. And I'm going, God, this is not how you're supposed to behave. I'm so angry. 
man, I don't want to talk this way. And I was sitting on the bank, and I just started bawling and saying, Lord, clean me up. Just cleanse me. Help me get rid of this part of my life. And when I went back home that day, it took a couple hours, I went back home, and I asked them for forgiveness. And I looked at all of them, my husband and my girls, and I said, I'm not going to do that again. I am not going to throw a fit. I'm not going to get angry to the best of my ability. And I'm not, I had told the Lord on the way home that to help me stop cursing. And he did. That was the first evidence. Yeah. Of that I was a new person. This is all right after you had gotten saved. This, this Within six months. Within six months. I still smoked, but that came later. But that was the first thing. I did not throw another fit or throw anything in the house or curse at him or the children. First clean job of the list of many. God had radically changed Kathy. She no longer had her uncontrollable outburst of anger. But he wasn't done yet. Kathy was addicted to smoking and for many months had wanted to quit but could never seem to break free from it. Until one day, God stepped in and ended Kathy's addiction once and for all. I hadn't put it together that it hurts your body too, but I was learning. So they asked Mike and I to go on a missions trip as sponsors. You know, could just see God wringing his hand each year, a little bit more, a little bit more. I was all for it. I thought, yeah, until I remembered. You can't smoke when you're on a youth group trip as a sponsor. And just to clarify, was smoking an addiction for you? It was not yeah. just a casual thing. It was like... Pack a day. Pack a day. My mom smoked, my dad smoked, everybody smoked, but not my brother, never touched it. And and Mike also smoked. But I, I did not want to. We agreed to go. We were going to go to the Yakima Valley in Washington State, a big two-week trip. We were going to serve there um, doing Bible school for a week, and then tour the south route back home. I went two weeks without smoking. How am I going to do this? I started praying. I prayed and prayed and prayed. I told Mike, I said, I'm going to quit. I'm going to go on this, and somehow, some way, I'm going to quit. Just spent several weeks praying for it up until the day before, and I said, this is it, last one tonight, done. I woke up the next morning, we packed, got on the bus. I didn't have a thought about smoking. I was busy. I was, for the first time, actually wanting to serve Jesus and to be with all of these kids. They were wonderful. And 
But I kept thinking, what's it going to be like when I get home, back in my environment? Mike doesn't quit. How am I going to do this? I'd wake up when I got back home having nightmares that I was smoking, but I wasn't. But it didn't take very long, and it was completely out of my system, and new habits were formed, and I never wanted to do it again. I still have a plaque with the last cigarette broken. Being freed from her smoking addiction was yet another evidence that God was making Kathy into a new creation. But while Kathy was experiencing many personal victories over sin, she and Mike's marriage was crumbling. Unbeknownst to Kathy, Mike had gotten into pornography. And when he stopped going to church and became more detached from the family, Kathy sensed that something was wrong. She had hoped that becoming a Christian would fix her marriage, but it wasn't. So instead, for several years, Kathy and Mike began looking to material things to serve as a sort of band-aid for a much deeper problem. They bought their dream home, purchased nice clothes, and went on lots of vacations. It was on one of these vacations that God changed Kathy's life forever. I've been water skiing since I was six or seven years old. I was very good at it, loved it. Really beautiful water one morning. I'm the first one in the water, and it's like glass. It was beautiful. Having a really good time skiing, and it was just unbelievable. But that moment, no apparent reason, it was like my ski just came right out from under me. I did the splits when I hit, because you, you never take your back foot out when you're falling, and it just snapped my right leg and broke it, broke it right at the ball. I'm in the water. It's very painful. Very painful. Kathy was rushed to the hospital and went into surgery immediately. Every ligament, tendon, and muscle in her groin area was torn. Recovery could take months, even years, and Kathy was confined to a bed and a wheelchair, and that would become her life for the next several months. But just when Kathy thought things couldn't get worse, they did. I did not realize it, but my husband was already gone from the marriage. He had detached and was involved in things that were even more destructive to the marriage. But you didn't realize? I had no idea. I knew something was wrong. He was not coming home. I, I couldn't reach him half the time. When he did come home, he was very detached. So that was like June 4th, and then in October, he says, uh, I want to go take you out to eat tonight. I said, I'm in a hospital bed. He said, I have a wheelchair. I'm going to bring it home because you need it anyway. Okay. I kind of did want to get out, but not. We go to a very public restaurant with lots of people. He's picking at his food. I'm watching, wondering what is going on here, and finishes and says, I want a divorce. I was pretty shocked. And I thought, now? Really? Yeah, he wanted he wanted a divorce, and he said, and I want you to go to Memphis. I'm going to buy you a plane ticket. Nancy, my best friend, well, she'll take care of you. I said, you want me to move there and leave the girls? He said, no. 
Not now. I want you to just go visit her. I did not want to, but I did. And I really felt used. I worse than ever in my entire life. Pornography is a horrible, destructive addiction. And there is no way a woman can live up to that. It was painful. Going back to her old home in Memphis brought back all of Kathy's old feelings of hopelessness and rejection. She was reminded of how she had been let down by so many men in her past, and now it appeared to be happening all over again. But this time, something was different. Do you know what I packed in my suitcase? My Bible. I took my Bible with me. I knew at that point my only hope was God. I was back to that. I didn't know how he was going to work this out, but I had hope because that's what brought me to him in the first place Mm. was hope. And I told her about that. I told her I felt hopeful that God would restore my marriage. And I said, but I need to clean some things up, Nancy. I need to talk to Lester. Not to get back with him, but I need to put that behind me. I need to tell him what happened and end it in my emotional side, you know. Mm-hmm. Forgive me for never telling him for what happened in the first place. She said, I'll set it up. She got his number and gave it to me. I didn't know anything about him, what was happening in his life. And I made the phone call, and he answered, and I told him who I was. I said, I'd like to talk to you if I'm going to be here for about a week. If you, I'll be right over. Once the appointment had been set up, Kathy's mind began spinning. It had been over 30 years since she had adopted out her and Lester's baby. Was she doing the right thing by trying to reconnect with him? She had never told him that she had even been pregnant. Did Lester even know? What would he be like? And then a thought crossed her mind, which she immediately knew was wrong. But if Mike was going to reject her, maybe Lester would take her back. The world tells young women to seek popularity, beauty, pleasure, or whatever will make them happy. Yet the more they chase after those worldly dreams, the emptier they become. That's why I'm excited to tell you about a special conference designed for mothers and daughters to encourage them that there is just one thing worth seeking after, Jesus Christ. The conference is called Seeking Christ and takes place at the Ark Encounter in Kentucky, September 20 and 21st. The conference is taught by Sarah Malley Hancock, the founder of Bright Lights Ministry, and includes skits, real-life examples, studies for moms and daughters to do together, and bonus sessions by Ken Ham and Martin Isles from Answers in Genesis. Plus, you'll get to walk through the full-scale replica of Noah's Ark there at the Ark Encounter, which I've actually done and is incredible. Young women will be challenged to seek the Lord first in their lives, deepen their love for God's Word, be rooted in their identity in Christ, gain vision for close family relationships, and shine their light brightly for the Lord. 
The primary focus is for young women ages 10 to 18 and their mothers, but of course, women of all ages are welcome to come. Learn more at brightlightsministry.com. Again, that's brightlightsministry.com. You love Christian testimonies. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to Compelled. But imagine if you could enjoy compelled stories from Christians throughout the ages, including those who've already passed away. Well, that's what our friends at YWAM Publishing are doing through their Christian Heroes book series by retelling the incredible stories of Christians like George Mueller, a man of prayer who ran an orphanage for 10,000 children in England who trusted God to miraculously provide food and shelter for those orphans, sometimes on a daily basis. Or Elizabeth Elliot, whose husband was murdered by the Aka tribe in Ecuador, but chose to forgive and move in with the tribe to share the gospel with them. Or Brother Andrew, who during the height of the Cold War smuggled Bibles to Christians behind the Iron Curtain, all under the noses of communist border guards who could have imprisoned him for life or worse. These are the types of stories that YWAM Publishing is printing. And their books are written for kids ages 10 and above, but frankly, adults love them too. They've published 50 of these biographies so far, and we just partnered with YWAM Publishing to bring you five of my favorite stories. These are the Christians that have inspired my faith and millions of others for decades, which include the three testimonies I just mentioned, as well as Corey Tin Boom and Amy Carmichael. We're calling it the Compelled Christian Heroes Bundle, and I actually worked with YWAM to select these five specific stories, and they agreed to drop the price in half just for Compelled listeners. So it's $30 and includes free U.S. shipping. To buy this bundle for yourself or to give to a friend, visit compelledpodcast.com slash YWAM. That's the letters Y-W-A-M, compelledpodcast.com slash YWAM. And trust me, if you love listening to stories on Compelled, you're going to love reading these stories too. And I remember just being so nervous. So nervous. How was I going to say? How am I going to get this out? And he comes walking in the front door carrying a 12-pack of beer, Seemed like he might have already been drinking. And his crazy self, just like he was. He hadn't grown up a bit. Just from 30 years ago, 40 years ago. He was still 17. Acting silly, boyish, drinking all the time. The whole time we were there, he had to go buy more. Um, But we did talk. And the first thing out of his mouth when he first got there was, I'm really sorry. Like, what are you sorry for? And he said, I knew you were pregnant. My parents knew you were pregnant. They heard it before I did. My parents wanted me to help you in whatever way that was needed. But I refused. And when you came back, and I saw you several times, I knew I had ruined your life. I said, well, you didn't ruin my life, and 
a lot's changed in my life, and I didn't go into the, any of the details of what happened except for marrying Mike, moving to Kansas, and the pretty picture I painted. But he forgave me. I forgave him. He left, and I was so relieved. Mm. I really couldn't wait to get back home. I felt like part of my past had been revealed, and I was ready to reveal it more. After coming back home to Kansas, Kathy was told by Mike that he still wanted the divorce, and he moved out of the house a few days later, leaving Kathy behind with the girls. It was obvious to Kathy that Lester wasn't going to be her knight in shining armor. And it became even more obvious when just weeks after meeting with Lester, Kathy learned that Lester had died from an overdose. A month later, Kathy's brother called her with the news that Bobby, her first husband who had beaten her the night she tried to commit suicide, had died in a car wreck. God's plan for Kathy was not going to be another man. Though they were painful, the plans God had for Kathy's life were far, far better. I, I never got an attorney. I asked for one thing. I asked for an addendum to be put in the divorce papers. I wanted it to say, I do not believe that my marriage to Mike is irreparable or that we are incompatible. Our marriage does have problems, but with God's help, I felt like we could do it. But the verse I added was, What therefore God had joined together, let not man put asunder, Mark ten nine. I really did believe that. Maybe not that God had put us together, but that we had made a vow. Mm. And that he was able, he had done so much in our lives, in my life had helped me with so many things that I felt like he could do this as well. But that was not his plan. That is not what God had for my life. I was going to be the, the single mom. The single mom that you had been determined you would never be. I was going to be raising my girls alone. But I was not alone. Hmm. I was finding my way. God was giving me hope. Friends came alongside me and started helping me, ministering to me, teaching me, giving me hope again, not for my marriage, but for myself and my daughters, that the sins of the forefathers did not have to be on them and that they had to carry that and follow that same pattern in their life. It could be broken with me. I heard that and thought, I do have a purpose in life. And that purpose is to stop it now. There's not going to be alcohol. There's not going to be promiscuity, illegitimacy. This is going to come to a halt right here. Not that I had the power to do it, but I longed for it. It was a new mission, 
in my life, a purpose to keep going. And that's what I wanted to do. And that's why I poured myself into my Bible. Losing Mike was a hard blow for Kathy. But for the first time in her life, she knew that she didn't have to turn to another man to satisfy her desire for acceptance and love. Christ was sufficient. Kathy dove deeper into Bible reading and prayer, sometimes reading up to five or six hours a day. She also began looking for ways that she could support herself and her daughters. Kathy began sensing God was calling her into a profession that she had never considered before. I heard about a gal in Illinois that was a midwife. And every time I would hear stories about her and stuff she was doing, I'd go, didn't my grandmother do something like that? That's back in the old days. What? Why would you do that now? But it pricked that little place in my heart and in the back of my mind that, Kathy, this is where I want you to be. And I'm going, no, no, no. I don't like childbirth. <laughs> I did not have a good time with that. But God just kept chipping away and providing and providing, building my faith and my trust in Him. And then I, so I started to consider the possibilities, started investigating and God providing money specifically for what I needed, for the exact amount I needed, was not coincidental at all. I have an entire book sitting behind you with every um, penny that God gave us and what they were for and what was the need at the time. Mm. It's amazing. Kathy is quick to point out the amazing way that God has redeemed the worst moments of her life. Kathy's terrible birth experiences, including being abandoned at a hospital with strangers to give birth, giving two children up for adoption, and even her abortion, have given her a unique perspective and ability to help other women walk through their pregnancies and deliveries. As Kathy began delivering more babies, though, questions would still enter her mind, like, what had happened to her two babies that she had adopted out all those decades ago? When she gave up her son for adoption in Texas and then her daughter in Tennessee, she knew that she would never see them ever again. But what if she could? The Tennessee law was the parent had zero rights. They would not listen to a letter. Texas was different, but uh, in Tennessee, no rights whatsoever. The only person that could get information is the, a child. One Sunday afternoon, I my mom had called and said, Kathy, I just want you to know that the Department of Vital Statistics from Tennessee called. I didn't tell them anything, and don't you either. I'm like, What? Why did you do that, Mom? I, I, I'll, I'll talk to him. Well, knowing you know my mom by now, like, no, 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 we can't. You got a great life. Don't mess that up. Well, that was not going to happen. So Monday morning I got up and I, I just called back and said, hey, 
This is Kathy Pritchett Brace. I heard that you were trying to get a hold of me. And they said, yes, we were. Did you have a child on October 19th, 1968? Yes, I did. I was so excited. I just thought, oh, my word. Is it really happening? Yeah. And, oh, it was just a couple of days later, and the phone rang. And I was just dozing off and ran to get the phone. Hello? Is this Kathy Brace? Yes. This is your daughter, Amy. And I just started bawling. I was... I was so happy we talked for hours and hours about her life, my life, catching up. She is such a forgiving soul. She had not had the greatest life, and I heard all about that. Um, She had been abused by her father, who was an alcoholic. The the adoptive father. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But she, we immediately just, we just hit it off. We talked and made plans to, for me to come to Memphis to meet and come to find out, find out later, Amy lives within throwing distance of my brother's house. Wow. Yeah. I just, that was such a shocker. As a matter of fact, Amy went to school at the same school my niece and nephew went to. Wow. So they lived right, literally, around the corner. They're all growing up. Had they ever met each other as no. kids? No, they didn't know. But as soon as, uh, the just a few days after Amy and I connected, she called and went over to their house. And they had a very good reunion before I got to. But that's okay. <laughs> wow. But in the process of that... There's so much more to what that triggered in me. And I had already written two letters to Texas. You'd sent letters to your son, son, even though you didn't know where he was. I didn't know who he's with, but I knew the adoption agency. So you sent the cards to the adoption agency and Mm -hmm. they would pass them along. No. No. Texas law. They wouldn't do it. Not without an okay from his parents, or if he was of age, to say they would accept him. Right after the divorce, I sent my first letter requesting contact. No. Letter came back, no. No contact. I just kind of let that go until I got that call from Amy. And I thought, I've got to give this another try. So I wrote like a five, six-page letter telling him about my life, telling him about his sisters, um, everything I could think of that he might want to know. And I mailed it to them, asking them to please at least provide the letter. And I would never, ever contact again. Well, they actually did. And I got my second letter 
back saying no, no contact. He is a well-adjusted young man, but it just hurt. It ended it. Did, did they deliver the letter to him? Well, that's what it appeared like they were saying. And I thought, well, that's it. That's my. That's the last thing I can do. So I did nothing else. With a heavy heart, Kathy gave up looking for her son. She would never know what happened to him. But she did have her girls. And Amy had found her, which was more than she had ever expected. And that's how life continued for almost 25 years. But then, just two years ago... Have you ever wondered why traditional math curriculums seem like they have a one-size-fits-all approach? Well, that's because they do. The curriculum writers are making assumptions about how quickly your child is progressing, even if your child is actually struggling with a concept, which, if left unchecked, can become a major hurdle to learning and hurt their confidence. That's one of the reasons why CTC Math exists. It's an adaptive online approach that automatically changes depending on your child's unique learning needs. By adapting to your student's pace, learning becomes not only more effective, but also more enjoyable. Can you imagine? No more tears about fractions. The interactive questions change in difficulty based on how your child is progressing, ensuring that they're challenged at the level that's right for them. Not too hard, not too easy. It's just like having a math tutor who knows exactly what they need when they need it. And as a parent, you'll love the detailed reports. You'll get to see their progress in real time and celebrate their victories and understand their challenges. Ready to give your child's math education a major boost? Just visit ctcmath.com and sign up for a free trial and experience firsthand how personalized learning can transform your child's approach to math. Again, that's ctcmath.com. If you like to stay up to date with current events, then you'll especially appreciate another podcast I enjoy called The World and Everything in It. It's a daily news program, about 30 minutes long, delivered every weekday morning by Christian journalists from around the world. And they aren't just rehashing the current headlines. They're actually doing investigative, boots-on-the-ground journalism while providing biblical cultural analysis. I started listening to their show about five years ago when we first launched Compelled. And since then, they've become one of my go-to sources for understanding current events from a biblical perspective. But they pull no punches. In fact, they tell the facts just as they are, even when it requires sharing uncomfortable truths. Maybe that's why they're one of Apple Podcasts' top 100 news programs. Join me and thousands of other Christians from around the world who listen to the world and everything in it. Just search for The World and Everything in It in your podcast app or visit WNG.org. I went to visit my brother, which I do. We try to go back and forth every couple of years, and he comes up, I go down, and I went to Memphis to visit him. And every time I go, I cross that bridge. And it just comes flooding back. It's like that thing in your life that never goes away, and now it's even, it's huge. Can't miss it. 
And so I go and I visit him and we go on a, let's check out the rest of the family tour. Very enlightening. So I made that trip back over the bridge, crossing it once again with garbage flying out the windows and thinking, man, I am really doing some unpacking here. And I got home and thought, thank you, Lord. You've given me so much. And I just thanked him for my home. I thanked him for my daughters, Amy, and decided to just be so content and happy in that. And I was telling my friend about it, who happened to be a private investigator. She said, Kathy, why don't you just try one more time? Just one more time. I'll help you. She said, you know, it's really easy. I'm going, no, it wasn't. (laughs) What day was he born? September 9th. Okay, 1965. Where were you? Abilene, Texas. She got on her computer right then, and within 30 minutes had three names of boys born at the only hospital at that time in Abilene, Texas on that day. Wow. Yeah, wow, I was right. I'm like, I I could have done this a long time ago. But the struggle hit me then. What do I do with this information? Do I want to? He made it clear he did not want to. And I sat on it for a couple of weeks. She kept calling me, being persistent. All we have to do is just narrow it down, and then you can think more about it again. I said, okay. So she started all of her tricks. It's very difficult. You think that. But getting those three names, you have to sort through them. Yes, they were all three in Texas, but they had, they've gone elsewhere now. Yeah, they're spread out. They're married. They're different parents' name moved. It's very hard to make the right connections. We were able to finally get it down to two. The first one was quite simple. Returned the call immediately and said, no, I've never, I'm not adopted. Okay, well, check. The second one, she started stalking this guy on Facebook. And we found a picture of his son and thought, I think that looks a lot like Lester. Researching, reading, I'm like, oh, I hope that's not him. (laughs) Oh, please, Lord, don't let that be him. She said, well, before we make the contact, let's uh, make sure that this last one is checked off the list clearly. She said, it's a little bit more difficult to find him, but I found the name of his ex-wife, and I think she's on Facebook. So she pulled it up and thought, "Hmm, okay. She said, I want you to ask her if she knows Stephen Minor and was he adopted. Oh boy, did the message book blow up right then. She said, is this about his adoption? Who is this? What do you want to know? 
immediately it was him. Wow. Within an hour of that, I have his phone number. Deidre had gone home. I said, you have to get back over here. I cannot make this call by myself. She turns around, she comes back, and she thought I'd sit on this a few days, you know, like I normally do. (laughs) I wanted to. But he's waiting. She said, he wants you to call him right now. He has been looking for you for years. I went, what? Uh, My daughter has been looking for you. We've been to the home. He had never received the letter. He did not know that I was trying to contact him. Mm -hmm. That his father was trying to protect him, most likely because he's extremely protective. And it was his his father that had responded. Mm -hmm. So I got up the courage and I call him and the first thing he said out of his mouth was, Hi, Mom. (laughs) I just started bawling. I couldn't believe it. It was a a very surreal but joyful time to hear his voice. And he actually said, hi, Mom. I never thought I'd ever hear my son's voice, much less him call me Mom. Because he had his other parents. Well, within... A very short time, we're making a trip to Texas. Me, Brandy, her children, Holly, her children, we all rent this huge van and we head off to Texas. And I got to meet my son for the first time when he was um, 51. Kathy was thrilled beyond belief. After 50 years, she was finally going to see her son, her only son, the son who called her mom. But while there was much to be happy about, there were still many hard moments ahead. We spent the day together, and I discovered that my son, and I had suspicions on the phone, was most definitely an alcoholic. Mm. He was my dad. Mm. And it broke my heart. He was not well adjusted. He had been following in his biological father's footsteps from the get-go, from birth, from the stories I was told. And part of the story I left out before, Lester, that died, was 52 when he died of alcoholism and drug addiction. So I looked him squared in the eyes and I said, Stephen, you're 51. Is this how you want to finish your life? He assured me that he and his girlfriend was not a good influence at all. We're going to cowboy church. So I had that nine months just keeps coming back over and over in my life, that those nine-month periods. Um, nine months after 
we met, and he had another had a birthday. And we talked, and he actually came up here and met the entire family. I get a phone call from his ex-wife saying that he was severely ill in the hospital and probably would not make it many more days. Mm. I packed up, went down there with Erica, and was able to spend couple hours and then he slipped into a coma and was gone mm. I'm so sorry well the one thing I was so glad I was able to do I don't think he was able at that point to receive it, but I did tell him what God had done in my life. And all of his brother-in-laws told him. All the little pieces that God has put together over the 60-some-odd years of my life, life has all been done by his hand, allowed by his hand, directed by his hand. And that was hard, but, and I I always kept asking, should I have even tried? But absolutely, yes. I was able to share with him and talk to him about Jesus and what he had done for my life, and he was there to do it for him. Yeah. So it had a good ending. Death is hard. I did get to meet my son. I never, ever thought it would happen. Yeah. But I did, and I was able to talk with him numerous times. He called me almost every day. And every time, hi, Mom. I I loved it. It's so hard to hear that a male voice saying, hi, Mom, but something I longed for. Yeah. And God gave me that. That was for me, and it was for him. And I got to meet, yes, three granddaughters. So three new granddaughters. Oh, wow. I think, Kathy, I think you have one of the most um, amazing stories of redemption I've ever heard. And, um, you know, I don't cry normally when I interview people. But that is so powerful. Yeah. And I just, it's so incredible to see how God has redeemed your mm-hmm. life that once was just so crazy lost, you know? Yeah. So true. If He can pull me up from the pit, anyone can be. But he, he has a purpose for us. We're not here by accident. And when we turn our life to Him, he will direct it. He'll light the way, as he's done for me in many, many ways. As we wrapped up our conversation, I asked Kathy for any last thoughts that she wanted to share. Well, you would think I would want to say something to that mom or young teenager, and I do. I, 
talk to them all the time, try to minister to them. But today, I think I have a message for the men in this world that respect women and look for the one that you want to serve, not be served. To search for a godly woman and be a godly man. Don't look for the fragile, vulnerable. They have been hurt and do not need for you to hurt them more. So yes, I do have that message for the men of this world, that God has hope for you too, is a plan. And then second, I would like to say for that that lonely wife that her husband may be is involved in things that are destroying their marriage to just cry out to God because he can intervene he can help in those situations and bring back purity and love in any marriage it is not hopeless, but it's, it can be helpful to have God on your side, walking with you, and showing you and directing you. But if divorce does happen, you have a Heavenly Father who will be there beside you to help you raise your children and walk a life that's honoring to Him. Thanks for sharing. Thank you. Kathy, it has been a joy and a privilege to um, get to know you better and to hear your story. So thank you so much for being on our podcast. Well, thank you. It's been eye-opening once again. (laughs) Kathy's journey is one of a kind. It's a reminder that no matter how terrible life may be, God can redeem anything, even the most broken situation. It's also a reminder that not every story from God's kingdom has a fairy tale ending. We live in a broken and sinful world. Suffering and loss is very real. But it's a reminder that we live not for this world, but for the life yet to come. Kathy has now been delivering babies for over 25 years and has helped deliver over 3,000 children. And of course, I have to tell you that my own wife, Sarah, was delivered by Kathy. You can learn more about Kathy by reading her book, Born to Deliver, which goes into much more detail than our podcast episode could. It's a great read, and I highly recommend it. You can buy a copy and learn more about Kathy by visiting borntodeliver.com. While you're there, make sure to download the free study guide that Kathy just released. It's a 10-week study for women that accompanies her book and includes discussion topics like family dynamics, boy and girl relationships, marriage, divorce, guilt, redemption, and more. Again, you can find all of that at her website, borntodeliver.com. You can also visit our website, compelledpodcast.com, and we'll include a link to Kathy's book, her midwifery website, and more. You can also win a free autographed copy of Kathy's book by entering the giveaway in our show notes. Just keep scrolling and you'll see the entry form. Again, you can find all of that and more at compelledpodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at compelledpodcast and on Twitter at compelledshow. Also, please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. That's one of the best ways to help other people find our show. If you enjoyed today's story and want to keep hearing more, here are a couple of ways you can help out. 
the first way you can support Compelled is by sharing this episode with your friends. If you know someone who would be encouraged by Kathy's story, or maybe you know someone that was even delivered by Kathy, then please send this episode to them and consider sharing this episode on social media. It really makes a difference and helps spread the word about the show. The second way is to join Compelled as a monthly member starting at $10 a month. As a monthly member of Compelled, you'll receive access to different perks, including behind-the-scenes recordings from our interviews, which is definitely the most popular perk for our members. When I actually sit down and interview guests, the actual recording is normally around two hours, and there are all kinds of stories and insights that we end up cutting out of the final episode because of time constraints. So if you really enjoyed listening to a guest like Kathy today, then you can dive deeper and listen to all of our behind-the-scenes content when you become a monthly member. And at our $15 a month membership level, you'll also be invited to an exclusive monthly live stream. Once a month, you'll be sent a link to an invite-only video feed where you can meet other Compelled listeners. You can meet some of the team members from the podcast, and occasionally, we might even bring on one of our guests from the show to directly answer questions you may have. But of course, the biggest benefit of being a monthly member is you're allowing Compelled to continue sharing these important stories. You can become a monthly member today by visiting compelledpodcast.com and clicking the link at the top that says become a member. This episode was edited by Zach Fowler. Find him online at zachfowlerimagery.com. Our logo was designed by Josiah Jost. View his work online at siadesign.com. Our website was created by Ben Billups. Follow Ben on Instagram at ben.billups. Our media assistant is Frank Allegrea. Find him on Twitter at TheFrankAllegrea. Our music outro is by Ben Jackson and Brian Facchino. And our assistant producer is none other than my wonderful wife, Sarah Hastings, who, again, was delivered by Kathy Brace. Stay tuned for a sneak peek from next week's episode with John Erickson, the author of the popular children's book series, Hank the Cowdog. John's journey to becoming an author was unlikely to say the least, but what's even more surprising is how John uses the antics of a fictional cow dog to point glory back to the creator. I'm your host, Paul Hastings, and we'll be back with another compelling story next Tuesday. And one of the things he said in class was that if you, if you want to be a writer, you should study human nature in a bar. And uh, that thought was in my mind when I took that job, and it turned out to be uh, very bad advice. One last thing before I go. If you'd like to meet up this year in 2024, I will actually be on the road for a few events, either speaking or exhibiting at some conferences. I am still nailing down all the details, but already I know that I'll be at the Texas Homeschool Convention in Fort Worth from April 18th through 20th, the other Texas Homeschool Convention in Houston from May 30th through June 1st, the Home Educators Association of Virginia Convention in Richmond from June 6th through 8th, and there's also the chance that I might be at some other events in Louisville, Kentucky and Nashville, Tennessee later in the year, but we haven't finalized those details yet. If you live near any of those locations, then I'd love to meet you. You can also see our latest up-to-date calendar of events at our website, compelledpodcast.com slash events. And I hope to see you there.